Welcome to Foolish the Podcast. That's been our show. Thanks, guys. See you later. Have a good week. <laughs> That'd be, we should really do that. What if we really committed to it? <laughs> that, that Episode it. 39 in the books. Yeah, I'm okay with that if you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> the silly use of our SoundCloud subscription, but... The, the three people who listen to it would be so mad at us. I think I'd have to put like 39 minutes of silence at the end of it, too, <laughs> just to make it seem like it's a normal episode. Sure. Anyway, hello, Chuck. Hello, Bill. I'm Bill, yeah. I'm Chuck. Hi, Bill. Bill Chamberlain. Oh, wow, you're saying the last name. Yeah, my last name that people can't spell correctly. C-H-Q-L-B-R, yep. the number six, 15, Domino's Pizza, Erlen. Yeah, see, you're the only one that gets it. Yeah, well, I've known you a long time, so I'm... I'm I I know the things about you that no one else does, like that Domino's Pizza is the 15th letter of your name. <laughs> it's so hard to type my name on a keyboard. Well, it's just because they don't have the logo button. Right. You need a little TM, right? Yeah, no one ever spells it right, though. Look. They always spell it... So, for some reason, some people think it's spelled L-A-N-D, like Chamberland. Oh, see, I always think... Which makes zero sense to me. I would have assumed people threw the I after the A. Yeah, I mean, my name's got a silent A, which is stupid. But it's, so it's this is a really riveting conversation. <laughs> it is. Anyone with complicated last names, you don't have a complicated last name. You have the easiest last name on the planet. So Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I don't mind it. No one's ever going to fuck up Smith. <laughs> S-M-Y-T-H? I'm sure it's happened. Not to me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, Chuck, you said you had something you wanted to talk about. Uh, I wasn't ready for this. I, uh, well, now that, uh, oh God. If you, uh Jesus, I didn't, I didn't I think did, this would, I did, I did, never mind, we're actually ending I did, the episode. No, I'm fine. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just finished playing, um, Horizon Zero Dawn again. Oh. Because. With the, with the expansion? They made the expansion. I, I bought the expansion today. It's only 15 bucks on the old PlayStation store, so it's. I hope it's worth it. I haven't played it yet. But the reason I played it again was because I had to finish it so I could download the expansion, right? Right. And uh, I think we think we talked about this before. My Sony ate all my um, old save files when I sent to my PlayStation. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it was terrible. But so I, I played through the game again. It's still really, really good, um, in case you were wondering. I do have a, one kind of problem with the game that what? I didn't think about before. That you can't jump? I don't mind the, I mean, that stuff, yeah, that's not great. She does all this climbing. Mm-hmm. No gloves. <laughs> Uncharted is the same way. I don't think he had gloves either. It's completely unrealistic that they don't have gloves on. There's just no way. It's so cold. There's snow and ice all over the place. And, like, she's climbing these huge cliff faces that are hundreds of feet tall, and they're covered in snow. She must be freezing. And she just got, if she just, if they just put gloves on her hands, it would be totally believable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's climbing up. Ice cold mountains. They're, some of those are going to be wet. Sure, certainly. Some, some of those are going to have ice on them. Yeah. And uh, she's climbing up a Coors Light commercial. <laughs> that's essentially half of it. It takes place in Colorado, at least some of it. And uh, I think that's the one thing holding the game about the giant future robot dinosaurs uh, from seeming some seeming. What? I lost my words there. It's the. Let me uh, let me reprogram Chuck really quick. Sorry about that, guys. 
Uh, I think I think her lack of gloves is the one thing keeping the game, uh, which features the futuristic robot uh, killer dinosaurs, from being really uh, realistic. <laughs> the gloves. Yes, the gl- gloves. You would be a great game reviewer. <laughs> what? A, what These a, shoes were unrealistic. Seven point five. Well, there's no way that Master Chief could jump that high in that armor. It's just uh, even with the gravity assist, that seems like it would be too heavy, and plus his visor would fog up. So Halo is one point two stars. <laughs> That'd be great if you were a game reviewer when back in the eighties, and you're like, uh, "This plumber can't shoot fireballs out of his hand." Uh, one star. No games are ever created ever again. Maybe if he was a chef, I'd believe it. <laughs> because chefs at least work with fire. <laughs> okay, throw out. Let's do rapid fire. You throw out some game names, and I'll try to immediately review them directly. Okay, The Legends of Zelda. Bill, it's got to be games I've played. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Uh, God of War. Well, the thing is, uh, his chains, his, his swords are on chains, yeah. and the distance just seems to totally uh, change between five. If he, He'll throw the sword on the chain, it'll go five feet, sometimes it'll go ten feet, sometimes it'll go twenty, and uh, then when, when he puts them on his back, the chains are just gone. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. That that he just has these swords swords on chains, and uh, he'd trip over them. <laughs> it seems like certainly, it seems like they'd get in the way of him running around. And uh, two stars. All right, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Mortal Kombat. Oh well, the the mask guys can't see anything. <laughs> you're telling you're telling me like Liu Kang would have, have such a serious advantage, uh, but these guys who who shoot spears who, who rely ostensibly on long range weapons have obstructed vision. That doesn't make any sense. So Scorpion's got to shoot his spear up, but he can't see anything outside of little slits in his eyes. He's not going to be able to uh, to really hit That's anything fair. realistically with his with his uh, his spear fist, whatever that his thing spear is. Fist. Yeah, sure. In the movie, have you seen the Mortal Kombat movie? Uh, you you watched it once with you told me to watch it with you one time. It's the best video game movie of all time by a significant margin. In that, it is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> But I can rec- it's pretty bad. I can I can almost recite the whole thing line for line as I watch along because I've seen it so many times. When I was a kid, I loved it. It's very truthful to the game. Um, it really just stuck with exactly what that game's plot was. The problem is that that game's plot was just a bunch of weirdos fought for no reason. You know, right? Like yeah. the, the plot was a paragraph before the game started. That like oh, this- all the characters were so incredibly surreal and strange and totally different from each other. But uh, I, I, I highly recommend anyone, just for the comedic value alone, go and give Mortal Kombat, the movie starring uh, Highlander's own Christopher Lambert, a watch because it's... The Johnny Cage part is the best part, right? It's up there. Well, Raiden. Uh, Chris, I think it's Chris Lambert, right? I think that's who it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his Raiden performance is really over the top and really, really special. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a part in the movie when Johnny Cage is fighting Goro... And there's a bunch of, like, minions uh, watching the fight, you know, like, guys in the crowd. Right. And the garb of the, all the minions is, like, red and black, basically. And mm-hmm. there's just one guy wearing buffalo plaid. <laughs> like, they couldn't... They, it's, a, it's a term I've never heard before, buffalo plaid. A buffalo plaid's a very specific... It's, like, when you think of Al Borland's pure red and black plaid... <laughs> Like that's that pattern is called buffalo, and there's just one guy wearing a buffalo plaid vest cheering for Goro because it was red and black, I guess, and they gave it to right. him. Right, it's really just uh, 
Uh, the, the movie was made for $11. The script was 15 pages long, and it's the it's great from start to front. The other the other thing I had on video games, Bill, was that you know what I signed up for recently and got my first game today of? Oh, Gamefly? Did I make that too easy of a hint? Yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill, guess, guess There's what? only so many video game services you can sign up for. I got, I, I got the one game plan, and I did get, I put, uh, I don't know why I put it up there first. I put Assassin's Creed Origins at the top of my queue. Oh, and I nice. got it. I got it in today. Sweet. And kind of, I kind of don't like the Assassin's Creed games, but I'm gonna give it a try. I'm, I'm very surprised that you put that at the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Don't think that I did it on purpose. I think it was just like when you look for games, it goes alphabetically, and it's just the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. You know, so I put it in, and then now I have it. So I, I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah, this one it actually took a year off because they the games were just so similar. I haven't played the new one yet, but it got pretty good I, reviews. Yeah, it, it got pretty good reviews, but I was I got so sick of playing them after like the fourth one because they were just all very very similar. The pirate ship one was okay. Yep, I liked that one a lot. But I didn't like controlling the pirate ship. Oh, I loved the pirate. It was a pain in the butt. It took a long time in the battle. Guys, were... let us know what you think of the pirate ship. Let us know Everyone... what you think of the pirate ship by going to twitter.com and telling someone else what you think of the pirate ship and tagging us in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tag, tag. Send a tweet to someone else. Send it to Donald Trump. He's on Twitter a lot. <laughs> Admitting to obstruction of justice. Sure. <laughs> hey, Don. Uh, you seem to like nonsense a bunch. <laughs> I don't care for the pirate ship in Assassin's Creed. And he might take it seriously. He might. Think he might. Yeah. If there's any reason for him to complain about something that happens uh, beneath uh, the Florida line, he'll he'll take it up on it. So. Chuck, you know who likes pirate ships? Uh, I mean, pirates do. The liberal media loves pirate <laughs> ships. Oh, is this is sad? Is this, is this Bill Limbaugh? Ooh, that would be a great character. Calm Donald Trump. <laughs> it's sad. The really. liberal media, they, they really love these pirate ships, and it's sad. Well, it is sad. It's <laughs> sad. Well, we might have to get some of his tweets and read, read those as such. Oh, um, yeah. It's a good idea. I guess. I don't know if we want to. I, I just I hate him so much. Anyway. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Sometimes I think it comes out too much. Um, sometimes I realize, oh, I shouldn't probably. It's not probably not a good idea to talk about this in this situation. But it just bleeds out of every pore in my body. Um, so. <laughs> so I'll change the subject then to something sure. more uplifting. Let's do it. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if this is uplifting. But Ooh. so I was driving these are the things that we don't experience as men. I was driving past um, a store. <laughs> I'm fascinated to know what this is going to be. <laughs> um, this is not going to be like a Matt Lauer scenario. I'm going to be fine. Um, I was driving past a store. Hold on. He had a fucking dungeon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, you want to get into him? Actually, I don't want to get into him. But piece of shit. What are you talking about? The lock button that the he had? The lock button. Yeah, the he lock had button. Dr. Evil... Like lock button beneath <laughs> his desk, and like Chuck, you can't take the time to get up and lock the door. You need a lock button. Well, that does make it more villainous, right? If the, if he if he lets the lady in, shuts the door, and then locks it, right? Then there's no way they're gonna sleep with him if he has the button. <laughs> and do that? You think they hear the click? <laughs> do you think he told the the installation guy make the click as loud as you make can? Make a good loud click. Uh, Matt, what do you need this for? 
<laughs> make it sound like a when a prison cell shuts. Okay, and this again, this is to keep your secretary out of the office. No, I'm just a busy man. I need to. I need to lock the door. I can't be taking the three seconds to get up and lock it. Yeah, you're, you're on sir. the you're on the fiftieth floor of Thirty Rock. There's security people on every floor. We need the lock in your office. Yeah, I need the lock. <laughs> Do it. Okay, Mister Lauer. I'm sorry. I don't have any great material for locking the door. <laughs> I'm an important man with a shaved head, but still shows my hairline, so I look distinguished. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, he, what really pissed me off about him, I mean, they all pissed me off, and I've been thinking to myself, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this anymore. Right. Um, but I was surprised by him because, like, oh, the week before, he had Jon Stewart on, and he was like, so Jon Stewart, you're telling me you didn't know about Louis C.K., he was your friend, you didn't know about that. Oh, no. He didn't say it accusingly, but he did say, like, people are going to think that. And then John Stewart was like, listen, I he was, you know, I don't know if I believe John Stewart or not. I'd like to, but who the fuck knows now? And John Stewart was like, uh, no, I, I can honestly tell you I didn't know, but we've all got to change and do, to be, every man uh, has to take action to make this better. Matt Lauer was like, that's right. Yes, we do. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Fuck you, Matt Lauer. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I got I to gotta watch that. Oh, that's so much funnier now in retrospect. Oh, he's such a... Can I just talk a little? I don't want to get too unfoolish here. We're already getting pretty unfoolish. Yeah, we kind of are. So, so let me make it a little more foolish here and just talk about the tactic. So between Louis C.K. and Matt Lauer, they both have this same tactic, and I'm like, I don't know anyone. Do you know anyone who, in an effort to uh, court a lady Mm -hmm. or or have a sexual encounter with a lady, just says? What do you want out of me? And just pulls his pants down and just starts Start, like starts doing it, playing with himself in front. Of, like like that's that works. Like what? what I no lady's gonna be like ooh la la. And like like what kind of tactic is that? It's uh, it was done for yucks on how I met your mother once. Wait, really? Yeah. So I think what's hard. I, I didn't mother. know how you like how this, I bet your mother was this X rated. It was done by the girls and the guys. Like one one of the girls was on a date with a guy, and she walked into the kitchen, and he was just naked. Yeah. And they, okay. They, they did it as like a joke. It's like that's his strategy. He just shows up naked in a room, and then the girl ended up not being able to like have sex for a while. So she tried it, and it worked, or something like that. I forget. Wow. That's the only time I'd ever really heard about this. If we want to call it a strategy, working when it's like. <laughs> Oh, it's just these two people alone in a room, and like it's not like a surprise nudity thing. He's just like, "Hey, lady, look at me, zip!" Like, oh, that, oh, there we go. It's, Sex is bound to happen now. Yeah, the only thing that make that makes it make sense is that it's not like a come on; it's like a power thing. Yes, where it's like you, I am so. I'm so powerful, I'm just going to skip all the steps. We're just going to skip right to the sex. This is what I want to do, and you're just an object, and I can do it because I'm a powerful person. There's nothing you can do about it. And, uh, oh, God, it's just fucking, it gets me so mad. This has gotten a little serious. It's gotten too serious. But I do think, like, I have this conversation with a few friends of mine who uh, like Chick-fil-A or, um, uh, that's like, well, listen, I, I, I'm okay with gay marriage and it's really just their CEO and, you know, they're, it's just their whatever and it's just food. And my point has always been that we're so powerless in, in, in America 
I mean, sure. even us as straight white people, the only course we have, the only recourse we have against greater institutions, because we're a consumer society, is to just choose not to consume those things. You know? So just don't, just don't, don't, just don't watch the sex predators and just don't eat the gay hating food. Go get your chicken somewhere else and go get your yucks with a show that doesn't have some dipshit who likes to rape people in it. I'll take a medium gay hating food. <laughs> uh, do you want, do you want, do you want any racist fries with that? <laughs> yeah, and I want a woman to make my shake. <laughs> okay, we've gotten way too serious. We're bad at being serious, I think, is what, is what happened. Bill? I'm bad at being serious. I eventually have to joke about it. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to do. Um... Let's let's transition out of this by um, talking oh, about. This is going to be a hell of a transition. <laughs> oh, you you completely interrupted my story. By the way, I did. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was about driving and women. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and now this is going to seem totally stupid in comparison. That's good. We need that. But I was, but I was driving past a store, and the store just said eyelashes. Sure. Wait, th- they sold eyelashes. <laughs> Yes, it said it said eyelashes. I think it said eyelashes and hair. Oh, like the the prosthetics. Yeah, yeah. It was a store basically for yeah. They sell yeah fake eyelashes, fake hair, okay, and fake nails. And, sure. But that's just that seems kind of like crazy to me. Like just seeing an awning on a on a store eyelashes. And it just says eyelashes and hair. <laughs> yeah, eyelashes are hair. They could just say hair. Oh, that's true. Right. It's it's eye hair. They could say all the hair. Period. How do eyelashes stay so pointy? That's a different kind of. It's because. It's, um, I want my whole head mm-hmm. covered in eyelash hair. This is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so like spiky. It'd be I'd be like a hedgehog. I think it has to be more coarse so to, so as to better protect your eyes. Yeah, that's true. You know. It's like the hair on top of your head, it really doesn't do anything. It's supposed to keep no. us warm, but it's so thin. You know? My, ours is anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bill, uh, <laughs> you think it's better to get beeped at for no reason or beeped at for a reason you know about and feel bad about? Uh, the second one, yeah. If, That's better? If I cut someone off and they beep at me, it's fine. Yeah. What if they beep at you and you have no idea why? Then I get pissed off. Because you don't know, what, you still could have done something wrong. So, it's a scenario like... Uh, of just wanting to be like left alone. Um, so if I cut someone off in traffic and they beep at me, I've already passed that point of like, hey, just leave me alone. I've already initiated something. So yeah. it's it's past that point. So I'm not going to get as mad at that. And when they drive past me, I, I never look at them. No. I know they want to. <laughs> I, I never want to give them the satisfaction because they want to drive past me and they want to look at me and flip me off and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the mo- the worst thing that you could do is what I do. I just I just keep looking straight and act as if I don't see them. Fiddle with and radio. I, I feel like I'm pissing them off so much. <laughs> How often are you cutting people off in traffic? You son of a bitch. Oh, like, every couple hours. Like uh, as soon as I leave here. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go find a person to cut off. Yeah. You really got to choose your targets well, too. Okay. Um, bald guys are the best ones to do it, too. Who? Um, bald guys? Bald guys? Yeah, bald guys are more angrier than, than regular guys. Bald guys are more angrier than regular guys. Bill, <laughs> listen. I don't think we should start discriminating based on people's hair amount. This is my campaign platform. Do you ever worry about um, going bald? Yeah, but dude, I'm already kind of like my hairline's already going, getting higher and higher. Yeah, but I don't think it's like a like like. Bald people. My hair's very thin. 
I think bald guy. That's a fine look, though. Like it's sure. You know, if my hairline gets too high, it, it's it eventually like I don't I don't care about shaving it bald. Uh, would you ever get the uh, the treatment the the hair the hair guy where they get the sure. they they pull out the hair of the back of your head and put cram it into the front of your head? That doesn't make it sound very good, but yes, I would. <laughs> but yes, I would do? do that. Sure. Isn't that how it yeah, works? they take they take hair from other places. Yeah, and they. And then it just regrows, and I would ask for my eyelashes, and <laughs> <laughs> so I could have some eyelash hair that on my head. Be very strange. You're a strange person, Bill. I want to be like the guy from uh, what, what was the needle face guy from uh, oh Hellraiser. Hellraiser was Pinhead. A uh, Pinhead. I want to be that guy, yeah. just with eyelashes. Those movies were horrifying. <laughs> I never saw it. I didn't either, but I, just... I was always really creeped out by him when I was a kid. Anyway, let's get to our. Do you want to get to our thingy? Yeah, let's get to our thingy. Lock the door. No, no. What do you think? Okay, I, this I, this this will be my last Matt Lauer question. Oh boy. What do you think his day is like now? Um, pretty quiet, I would imagine, because he still has millions. Of, he he was making twenty five million dollars a year at NBC, which is insane. So I imagine, I imagine he wakes NBC. up on. Don't pay, don't pay Matt Lauer twenty five million dollars a year ever. Why were you doing that? I don't, I don't know. I imagine he wakes up mm-hmm. and he he he, get, he wakes up in a bed with a, a very high thread count. Sure, just just pounding that thread count. Um, makes a couple eggs, maybe throws a little hot sauce in it, uh-huh. and then he spends the next six hours talking to PR people. <laughs> uh, Bill, I'm gonna have to pause you right there because we're getting our first ever call in. Uh, caller, oh, you're no. live on the air. How's it going? Uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Pamela. Uh, I'm calling from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I am... All right, Pam from Pawtucket's in the house, Pam. What's up, Pam from Pawtucket? Hey! Well, um, what's up is that I'm calling. I had a question for you all. Yep, uh, go ahead, Pam. Now, remember, Bill can hear you, but uh, you can't hear Bill. I'll translate. Uh, but go ahead, what's your question? Uh, remember to turn your radio down. <laughs> Let me just figure it out. It's a new car. Um, it's the knob. My question is, I've been noticing you guys have been doing a lot of lifts, right? So my question is, what is the best hamburger, fast food hamburger? Oh, no. Uh, Bill says, oh, no, and I think we'll take your answer off the air. <laughs> On the side note, can I call you back in 15 minutes? <laughs> Another satisfied caller from Foolish Podcast. Blew her up. <laughs> Bill, what's the best kind of hamburger? The best fast... She said fast food hamburger? I think that's what she said. I wasn't listening all that hard. <laughs> I'm a Wendy's guy. I think I think you're right about that. I think Wendy's is the answer. So so anyone on the the West Coast is going to say like, oh, In-N-Out. I've In-N-Out never had burger In-N-Out burger. Fuck itself. I, I've never had it's it. Not I good. Don't know. It's not good. You've had it? I've had it. It was garbage. It was trash. Oh wow! It's trash. It was- Five Guys is pretty good too. Are they truly fast food? They are. Right? I think so. Yeah. I-, I would qualify them. Yeah, then Five Guys is probably the best one. Yeah. All right. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, we were talking caller? about Matt Lauer's day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill, what number should uh, other callers call if they need to call into Foolish the podcast? 
Uh, they can call 1-800-F-O-O-L-I-S-H, and when the random person answers, just say, uh, foolish the podcast, hang up, and hope you don't get the cops called on you. Or us. Please don't do that if it's a regular person. <laughs> yeah, true. Don't mention us. <laughs> mention mention the podcast. Don't mention us. Our first ever uh, live on the air caller. It's going to be like the Baba Booey thing. <laughs> to one person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Call CNN, <laughs> say you have important information on Trump, and then say, foolish, 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 and hang up, and everyone will be confused. We'll get arrested. Sure. So, Chuck, uh, that was our, like our fourth deviation from what we're doing. Uh, do we want to get to what we're doing? I think we do. I'm warmed up. I'm ready to go. Because you know what, Bill? I'll tell you, this has been kind of a serious episode, and we've got to keep the seriousness going. Um, we've been doing a lot of kind of fun lists, a lot of kind of say lists, but this one's really important. Um, yes, the, the so, world is hinging on this. Yeah, today we're going to name uh, the official uh, professional wrestling signature or finishing move of Foolish the Podcast. <laughs> yep. And there's nothing There's great. nothing funny about it. Nope. Bill, you have the first pick. <laughs> no, I have, the, I have the number one pick, right? Yeah, you have the you have the top pick, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what your top pick is. Uh, well, hey, man. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested to know how you came to the decisions you came to. Um, do you want to start with a little bit about, you've talked about your professional wrestling, uh, the affinity for which you have, uh, the affinity you have for professional wrestling before on the show. Um, yep. I grew up on it. I still watch it, uh, fairly regularly. It's the, maybe one of the eight reasons why I'm still single. Um, <laughs> but, what are, uh, the, what are the other seven? <laughs> starting with, <laughs> um, no, I'm not going there. Sure. That, that would, be very depressing um so no uh but yeah always always kind of enjoyed it always kind of enjoyed it. it's i don't know it's it's like physical theater to me now and it's kind of a. now it's like you watch the show and you say oh i think this person should win because this now it's like a strategic thing when you're watching it's hard to explain but it's always been fun to watch it's to me like now it i don't i don't watch it anymore um i did watch it uh maybe from like fifth like third grade to ninth grade is about when i watched it Says a lot about me, which, <laughs> which would be let's see, nineteen ninety five to two thousand, right in there, probably that five sure. to six year period. Um, sure. And yeah, then for a while I was like, oh, it's dumb, and now I just consider it to be like any other drama on television, except it happens live instead of being scripted. It's not. It's mostly well, it's scripted in the right. events, but not the dialogue so much, right? Like they go out and do kind of improv. When they're out there, uh, not so much now. No, even like Which the is... in-ring stuff is all scripted. Uh, like when when they're actually having the match. No, 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 that, like that. No, no. Well, during the match, I know that's there are scripted moments and stuff. But I mean, like when they go out at the beginning of Monday Night Raw for the first twenty minutes, it's all talking. Oh stuff. no, that's that's pretty scripted. Yeah, to the line. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just go okay, go talk about this shit. Which is the thing fans complain about because that that did that used to not be the case, but now it's oh okay. Well, either way, it's still just scripted drama. It just happens to happen in a different setting than say a I don't know like Arrow or um, sure any other good guys versus bad guys show. Mm-hmm. And uh, how often? So how often do you still watch like the weekly shows? Um, I watch like I will DVR them and I will like largely fast forward through them and just watch the. Like the main pieces that I care about, and okay. won't watch the rest of the bullshit. It's too long of a show. Sure. 
So I think what, what the interesting thing that will happen in this is you might name a couple moves from the past 15 years that I have no idea what they are. Um, right. And mine are pretty going to be from that five-year period, but we'll see. Um, so so while really quick, while coming up with this list, I was thinking this is going to be a hard list to articulate to people because I think we go in assuming that not everyone is going to know the names of these. Like once you just say the name of the move, people are going to be like, Oh, that move. Sure. So saying like how the move is performed Mm -hmm. is kind of hard to do. We'll figure it out. Why don't you, um, Bill, you have the, you have the opening pick. You have pick number 10. Uh, so number 10, I am going to go with the, uh, the RKO. Bill, I don't know what that is. You don't know what the RKO is. So the RKO is actually a... Um, it's been kind of a meme lately. If you search like RKO out of nowhere, um, there's a bunch of memes of this wrestler whose name is Randy Orton mm-hmm. um, giving the RKO to a bunch of things <laughs> like in movies and stuff. And like any clip of a person falling down, they, they put R- uh, Randy Orton onto it to give an RKO. Okay, It's very, it's very similar to uh, a move called the Diamond Cutter. Um, I think you're aware of that one, but it's essentially you just grab the person's head, you jump up, and you kind of pull their head down as you're you're falling. Is essentially the best way that I can put it. Like a stunner. It's not so a stunner. You the person's like chin would land on your shoulder, but mm-hmm. this one you're just like you're jumping. You're fully horizontal as you're jumping, and you're just grabbing the person's head, and the person just falls flat on the ground, okay. head first. Sure. What's um, good about it? it, it so it's a very good move because it, 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 as the meme says, it can be done out of nowhere and it can be done under a lot of different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for instance, Randy Orton like pulled a person off a ladder and as they were falling down, he grabbed their head and gave them an RKO. Like it's done under very like unconventional circumstances. Sure, um, that um... one of the best ones at WrestleMania was this. Uh, wrestler named Seth Rollins, he was running toward Randy Orton, he was going to attack him, but he, like, jumped on his shoulders, got Randy Orton, launched him up into the air, like, five or six feet in the air, and as he came down, gave gave an RKO. It was uh, very impressive. There is, I think there's going to be a lot of moves of that sort on this list that can kind of come out of nowhere, because they add so much to the drama, you know? Right. It's like the match could be happening, and depending on the move, they can really just happen out of nowhere, and the tables have completely turned. It's almost like, like in sports, like a, like a, like a uh, like an interception return for a touchdown or something where all the momentum has switched kind of out of nowhere because of these, the spontaneity of these kind mm-hmm. of moves, which makes them fun. Um, yeah, usually a good finishing move is either A, super spontaneous, or B, has a really cool like setup to it that people can, can get behind. Or they're just bananas. Sure. And I think my first pick is going to be one of the bananas ones. Okay. And it's the, pe- it. it's the people's elbow. Oh, no. <laughs> This would be on my list of top five worst finishers. The people, what are you talking? The people's elbow <laughs> was delivered by American treasure Dwayne the Rock Johnson when he was wrestling as the Rock. Yep, you saw it coming from five miles away because there was only <laughs> one way for him to set any of it up. And for yep. people who have never seen it, he uh, his opponent would be lying prone, face up, in the middle of the ring. The Rock would find himself standing above him and always be <laughs> incredibly surprised to find himself there and realize... Oh, this person's on the ground. I'm standing. And realize, oh, I can now do the people's elbow. And then he would look uh-huh. up at the crowd and the crowd would say, 
guys, he just realized he can do the people's elbow. <laughs> and then he would say, hey, crowd, you realize that I just realized I can do the people's elbow. And you know what's going to happen right now? And the crowd would say, what? And the rock would say, I'm going to do the people's elbow. Now, that was all subtext, of course. <laughs> the guy should have gotten up by then. <laughs> then the rock would very dramatically rip off his elbow pad and yep. throw it to the masses. Yep. He would run. The crowd would fight for that elbow pad so badly, too. He would run into the over the ropes, bounce off the ropes. He would run back. And when you think he was going to deliver the elbow drop to his opponent, he would just jump over them. Jump over the opponent. Yep. Sure. So now all the momentum that he had carried from the first rope bounce uh, breaks all the laws of physics and actually remains in his body and stores up for the second rope bounce because he bounces <laughs> off the ropes again, Bill. So now he yep. has two rope bounces of momentum built within his, his his strapping muscles. Then he bounces off the ropes again. He comes back to his opponent, comes to a dead stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> throws his leg in the air, throws his arm in the air, waves it around like, frankly, he just doesn't care. <laughs> and Good Lord. falls on his opponent with the... Like Thor with his hammer. And the, the, the as his elbow, the elbow of the people, hits the opponent's... Solar plexus. The opponent is is sent into a, a fit of of spasms and pain, uh, and then the rock typically pins them, and it's an electrifying moment. He's won championships with that move, and it's fucking ridiculous. Like <laughs> the best. The best part is exactly what you said. He builds up so much momentum. He runs from one rope to the other. He's got so much speed built up. They just fucking stops. <laughs> Like completely wasted all that fanfare. It's uh, it's really wonderful. It's it's. I think it's a lot of fun because it's silly. <laughs> it is. It is very silly. There was a there was a guy who who uh whose finishing move was just called the worm. Did you ever see this guy? Who was that? There's a guy named great wrestling name. Uh, Scotty Too Hotty. I remember him. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> It would be the same position and the guy would be lying like uh, on his back and the guy would just kick his legs around and he would jump. He would do four jumps and and do like this kind of semicircle to get uh, some distance from the guy and the crowd would chant W-O-R-M. Then he would do the worm a little bit, rise up, wave his arms around, go who, 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 and just like That's drop right. his arm on him I, and that was it. I remember it 100% and I loved every second of it. It's so terrible. <laughs> But the crowd would go nuts. Of course. Bill, what's your, what's your number eight pick? My number eight pick. Um, my number eight pick is going to be the choke slam. Okay. Choke slam is a very solid move. Um, in order to do a choke slam, I believe you have to be a minimum of like six foot seven. Sure. Um, only really tall guys should ever be doing the choke slam. Me or you can never do the choke slam. It's also a very easy move to describe. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. You grab someone by the neck. You mm. count to three because they have to jump with you sure. or else this move is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and they jump and you just slam them to the mat with, uh, with your hand on their neck. It is... So th- why is that move any less ridiculous than the people's elbow? Because you see the I know. guy jump in. <laughs> but it is much more... Um, uh, it's got a lot of drama to it because, like, especially when like the Undertaker did it a bunch. Once you grab the neck, there's like six seconds of like, oh, you're in big trouble now. And sometimes the guy would plead, plead against it. 
He'd yeah. like, try to grab his hand, like, no, please don't choke on me, sir. And then he would anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's the question, like, once he, once he, once he clutches you by the neck, there's the question of like, oh, is the Undertaker going to be able to lift him at this point, or is the guy going to like kick him away? Mm-hmm. There's there's ample opportunities for uh, countering and drama. It also there. it also had like sometimes uh, the guy would be like stumbling to his feet, and uh, are, is it the Undertaker specifically choke slamming? There's also Kane did it. Uh, uh, Kane did it. The uh, big show the, big... the Big Show did it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other like tall guys in other wrestling organizations that do it. Like a short person can't do it. It has to be a tall person. A short person could do it to a shorter person. Sure, but it, it just doesn't look that good. <laughs> there's there's always the good, not always, but sometimes in the moment of the choke slam, there is the moment where the person who is about to be choke slammed is kind of stumbling, but not facing the choke slammer. And the choke right. slammer is like raising his hand up, and he's like, "Oh, it's it's got great setup to he's it." He's calling yeah. the crowd on, like everyone knows what's coming. And then there's just the the big swing of the arm. Susie, <laughs> yeah, and if it's good, if it's really good, like it makes a nice like slapping effect. Sure, like, the dude like slaps his chest with his hand in order to grab the neck. Good. That's it's it's a pretty straightforward pick there. Yeah, it's a solid move. Um, would you call it a finisher move or a se- I don't think it's a finisher, right? So. There's a couple of people that it's finished a couple of matches. Like Kane used to use that as a finisher for a little while there, but mm-hmm. just a solid move. It's a solid setup move. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, unless you had any more chokeslam talk. Nope. That's about it. I'm going to go with the only submission hold on my list at this point. Oh, uh, I'm curious which one it is. It is a very specific uh, submission holds, and it's in the style of a specific person, and that is Bret Hart's sharpshooter. That's the one I thought you were going to choose. Uh, excellent name. Oh, it's a great, it's a great name. Uh, the sharpshooter. What he would do is, um, how many how many sharpshooters have you given to people when you were when you were younger? Six hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I think all these moves that we're saying, too, we've done, like, in a pool when we were 13 years old. I used to, we, well, like, I'll, we can talk about this. I used to, and footage of this, footage of this exists, and it's in my house. I think I've seen that, yeah. Uh, we used to turn my basement into a mock wrestling ring. We had a large ottoman and a couch, and we would flip the couch cushions onto the back of the couch so we could bounce <laughs> off of them as ropes. And we right. had a very big ottoman. Maybe it was three feet wide, but for me at the time, it was basically the size of a ring. And we would just do all of our moves next to the ottoman onto the ottoman uh, right. for our slam moves. And then we would do like the submission moves on the floor. And um, yeah, uh, submission moves are always tough with your friends because you could cross the line to really hurting somebody. Yep. Yep. There was there was a certain like you you learn to feel it after a while. There you could feel like a tightness where it's like, oh, if I bend more here, I'm going to hurt them. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's not the one I did the most. I prefer doing the figure four more because I like getting mm-hmm. into it because you got to spin around. Uh, but anyway, the sharpshooter basically uh, you get your opponent uh, eventually in such a way that he is on his stomach and his legs are crossed um, right. over your knee, and then you pull backwards uh, and basically like bends their back really hard. Uh, Bret Hart, which it's been so long since I've seen, uh, I remember this now. Bret Hart's sharpshooter would cross the legs and he would put the opponent's legs to one side and Owen Hart would cross their legs and I think do it in front of him. 
And I always, pref- oh. I always preferred Bret Hart's sharpshooter. I might have that wrong. I've never noticed that. But oh, I watched wrestling a lot, Bill. <laughs> I, I can tell. I also played the video games a bunch. Um, I always preferred Bret Hart's better because, especially because I loved Bret Hart so much when I was a kid. He was so much. He was such a cool dude. It seemed like uh, those big pink glasses. The awesome, the great theme music and the pink glasses and the pink getup. He was just cool looking the whole time. He made pink cool for a while. Totally, it still is, still great. Anyway, yeah, that's my. Uh, do you have any sharpshooter takes? Um, no. It was another. It was another move where there was a lot of suspense to it, like where because the person's sitting face up when you begin the move, right? And he's got to grab the legs. Mm-hmm. He's got to cross them, and then he's got to spin the dude around. And so there was always a little bit of suspense at that point, like, oh, is he going to be able to spin the dude around? Mm-hmm. And, so it was always a it was always a really good move and it always looked really strong. So tough to break um, out of. Yeah, tough to break out of. There was no yeah, there was no real like didn't, counters for didn't it. Didn't the Rock start using it at one point? Didn't someone else start using it like ten years after Bret Hart retired? Yeah, a lot of guys um, have used it a little bit. Um, the Rock used it a little bit. I don't know if he ever like won matches with it, but uh, uh, the wrestler Sting actually had it as his that finisher. Was, yeah, he called right. it the the Scorpion Deathlock, I believe. Well, that's not as cool as the Sharpshooter. <laughs> <laughs> it really tried to be as cool of a name. It's not though. It's, it's got, it checks all the boxes. It's got death and scorpion sure. and lock in it. Um, but yeah, there's a few other wrestlers that have used it, but none none to the effect or. Uh, with the permanence of Bret, it's Bret Hart's move, right? Yeah, yeah. Besides Sting, um, no one else has really like finished matches with it. Mm-hmm. No one like current uses it as their finisher. They should. They should bring it back. Yeah, I think somebody should bring. They it absolutely back. should. Okay. Okay. <laughs> who? Who? Chuck? You don't know any wrestlers right now. Who, who should do it? Steak knife. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> the... That's another list we're gonna come up. You know, top ten, no, you know top steak, ten made up wrestler names. You know, steak knife, <laughs> steak knife. That sounds more like a move than a, no, a steak knife's finisher would be the steak knife. No, the sharpshooter. <laughs> That's so dumb. All right. What's your numbers? What's number six? Oh no. Um. So my number six is um. We haven't chosen a a flying move yet. Yeah, I got a few of those on my list. Um, my favorite one has so, f- especially if you watch wrestling now, Chuck, flying moves have gotten crazy. People are doing like double backflips and shit. Yeah, and I bet. doing like these kind this these kind of like corkscrew backflip crazy fucking moves. Um, those are all great. Yeah. I've always been I've always been a connoisseur of the simplicity of the moonsault. The moonsault. Classic. It, the moonsault is uh, simple and elegant, and uh, and and yet it looks cool when it hits. Like it looks like a credible move. It is a splash. Yep. So it's it's a splash where the person gets up on the uh, the turnbuckle there. It's the corner and, of the ring, and, and the back their back is facing the ring, and they essentially do a backflip into a splash. And for a splash is just um, a belly flop onto a prone opponent. Right, exactly. So the person does a backflip and eventually ends up to where their body's horizontal and they they fall on the person as a splash. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a really great moonsault will be like this this high kind of arcing slow backflip right onto the person and it looks beautiful. Who's got the best moonsault? So there's actually a guy. Uh, his name's Christopher Daniels. 
uh, he he does a move called he he calls it the BME best moonsault ever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually does it to where he gets on the the second rope, jumps what? up to the okay. third. He he does like he he does a quick jump from the second to um, the third, and then does another quick jump. I'm and with it's you. this very like he it's this very long kind of elegant moonsault. I'll send you some clips, but sure, it's really good. Sure. Um, it's a high risk maneuver. Yeah, it, that's another that's a, that's another great thing about high top rope moves in general. To where if they miss it, that can lead to to the match being over. Uh, it's easy. The moonsault. I don't think any move in the history of moves has come back to haunt a wrestler more than the moonsault has come back to haunt Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, Shawn, Shawn Michaels has ever effectively delivered a moonsault in the history of ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a moonsault is another one of those moves to where like someone can also catch you, and if they catch you. Uh, you're in a very vulnerable position at that point. Well, if, if you uh, were ever talking like as like an offensive coordinator would about wrestling, it's the most strategically terrible move in the world. Your back yeah. is your opponent is already down, and you have to put your back to him for several seconds, and then risk your neck by jumping backwards and doing a backflip. Um, and any number of things could go horribly wrong to the point <laughs> even someone could shake the top rope and you could fall. Yep. It just seems like just do a regular <laughs> but it's like it's like the screen pass of wrestling. <laughs> sure. Okay. You could th- you could miss the throw and fum- cause a fumble, blah blah blah. Uh my uh when I played the old wrestling video games, and I'm pretty sure they made one of those in 1995 and haven't changed it since, is that right, Bill? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, the wrestling games right now have been the same for the past like ten or fifteen years. You're correct, but they're great. That's a, it's a fun system, and my character always just had a, tip, a typical splash. I always thought it was fun, but uh, just like a, like a Jimmy Snuka, just regular. Yeah, I think I did like a bend in the middle of it. Ah, oh, so oh, you did a frog splash. That's called a frog splash. Might have been a frog splash, but uh, moon salt's a good pick. Moon salt's a good pick because I like the moon salt. Uh, when the opponent is outside of the ring and standing. Oh yes, those are always good. And horribly Which I, I don't get why the why a backflip would make that any more damaging than just jumping onto them. But um, all right, so I'm at number five here. Yep. I keep kind of going back to like the personal finishers I just liked doing when I was a kid, but I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I never liked the wrestler that did this move, but it's such a cool move. You can't. It's I, I. You'll you'll you're probably gonna take this, but I don't think you're worried about it being number one. It's the spear. Yeah. Um. Oh, so you're thinking of Goldberg? Yeah, I never cared for him very much, but the spear is just you tackle a guy from across the ring. End of move. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but you did it. You so you just stood at the opposite of the ring and you ran at your opponent. Uh, with all of your speed, and you dove at his midsection and like football tackle him, basically. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shoulder to the midsection, essentially, is what it is. But it was always delivered with such like devastating furiousness that it was just yeah. If um, the other guy sells it right and like falls the right way, it looks like he he killed him. Yeah, uh, and it was always just a really cool. Uh, it had so, so much theatrics, you know. It couldn't come from anywhere. The spear very specifically had to be like a. A setupy kind of thing. You can't just randomly spear a guy because you have to have a running start and everything. But right. that said, it, it was a cool uh, setup. It was just a, 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 like a good, devastating kind of move. It looks like it really put the person down, and it typically did. 
Yeah, I'm surprised he chose a spirit. Yeah, Goldberg gave a really gave a really good one. Um, that is a move that is widely used now. There's a there's a lot of guys that use a spear now. It's so, it's so easy, right? It's and it looks cool. So yeah, you just run and um, yeah, just run and hit him with your shoulder. There's a couple of wrestlers that have done it very badly. Um, there's a couple of women's wrestlers that do it, and uh, one in particular doesn't do it very well because. She gets like no speed behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a wrestler named Edge who I, I think you're probably familiar yeah, with. I know Edge, who, sure. You know, t- toward the tail end of it, um, but later on in his career, he started doing a spear, and he kind of just like hugged the person, and they fell down. <laughs> like mm. it, it was not a good spear. But um, it's a very easy move to fuck up. You got to have a lot of intensity behind it. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't, if you don't really sell it, it's gonna look lame. Yeah, like the person selling it can sell it as well as they can, but if you don't. Uh, I got to spear you uh, in in a, in a video one time. Do you remember that? Yes, I totally battle, do. Yeah, that battle the battle movie that we did. Uh huh. Battle Chase two thousand. Battle Chase two thousand. That's right. Thank great you. name for great name for a video. <laughs> I think it was your idea too. I think you told me to do it. Well, just because I wanted to do the kick up, I just needed a way to be in the, <laughs> the right position. Which I'm sure if I tried to do now, I would uh, break my spine. And I think I gave a pretty good spear. Yeah. It was a pretty good spear. I bet. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, that must have been a good spear then it totally took the all the memory out <laughs> of you cussed me yep all right now i'm feeling like maybe that wasn't the best pick but whatever what's uh what's your next what's your what's yours <laughs> um so i kind of want to choose a submission hold as well but there's some other good moves before i only got two picks left yep. I, I don't have any submission holds on my list you already mentioned the figure four. I kind of wanted to choose it, but I don't think I'm going to. Um, I'm okay with that because, you know what? I saw the Ric Flair documentary recently. Did you watch that yeah. on 30 for 30? Yeah. yeah. He was kind of a jerk. Yeah, he was not a good dad. He, he basically <laughs> he, he basically said that I was not a good husband or father. Or person. Um, <laughs> or person. But if I... But if I get looked... At, like, yeah, he was just really good at wrestling. Yeah. That's, that's his one thing that he was good at. Um... So I'm going to choose the the F5. So the F5, I actually have no idea what that stands for. I believe it's supposed to be like a... Tornado? A tornado reference, yes. Who who does the F5? Um, Brock Lesnar. I know who who he is. Who is a guy that still wrestles. um, Weirdly. That's weird to me that he still does that. So he's kind of like this guy that only wrestles like once every three months now. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like a he's kind of like an Undertaker scenario where he wrestles once every few months and it's supposed to be this big special thing, but he's still like this very intimidating, like beefy dude. Well, he's huge, right? Yes, and this is a move that's perfectly that like perfectly shows his strength. Um, he picks you up, he puts you on his shoulders, like a like a like a fireman's carry kind of deal. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. He's just got you draped across his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then with his right hand, he just, like, gets his hand underneath your legs and just throws you as high in the air as he can and basically just spins around and, and drops you on your... Like, he he throws you in a way to where you spin, like, 360 degrees and land on your face. That seems traumatizing. So, actually, <laughs> I, I guess DF5 does make a, a lot of sense. Yeah, because you're tornadoed around. <laughs> yeah. Is he, any, and, uh, is he any good at wrestling? Yes, yeah, he's. I, I think he's. He's had some great matches. Yeah, 
he he's had great matches because he's like super different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. He's just a very uh, freak of nature type of guy. Okay, I'm gonna send I'm gonna send you a gif of the F5. No, I know it now that I think of it. I'm sure uh, I've seen some highlights of him. I think. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, you made it sound. It sounds a little bit like um, what Goldberg used to do too. Didn't he have something like that a little bit? Um, his was more like a suplex motion, like where he would suplex you and then like spin you in the air and, and okay. drop you like a suplex kind of. All right. It called the it was called the jackhammer, which is another good wrestling move name. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Ah, all right. You took the words almost out of my mouth. I'm gonna go with the jackknife powerbomb. That's your number two. What's well, my? It's my number two, but it's number three on the list. Yeah, jackknife's a good. Jackknife is a good move. Um, a powerbomb is, is when uh, basically you lift a person up. I was going to say, try explaining a powerbomb. I thought about saying a powerbomb, and I couldn't think of how to explain it at yeah, all. I got this. So you, the powerbomb begins when you kick the guy in the stomach so he bends over, and you put his head between your legs. Very sick. Ooh la la. Then you lift his body up so he flips around. So now he is essentially sitting um, on your shoulders with one leg over the other, and you're staring right at his ghibli bits. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When, and now, yeah, as he's sitting on your shoulders, now you lift him up, and with a jackknife, I think the difference is you throw him down very forcefully. Yep. Like, what's the difference between a jackknife powerbomb and a regular powerbomb? So a jackknife is, like, it's super nonchalant. Like... Like, most guys would, when they're in that position, Mm -hmm. just, like, slam the person to the ground and, like, hold them all the way through. Whereas Kevin Nash would just... threw the um, guy. He would kind of just, like... He would just, like, drop them at their highest point. Like, he would just let go at the highest Mm -hmm. point, and they would just just kind of fall to the ground. And I think part of what sold is because he's, like, six foot ten. Yeah. So, like, they're super high in the air. And, yeah, he always did it, like, in this, like, nonchalant motion. And I was thinking of Kevin Nash's execution of it because it didn't Undertaker do that as well. No, he did. He did a version called the Last Ride, which is like he grabbed their trunks and lifted them even higher. I see, and and then dropped them down. Well, I want the jackknife. No, it's a jackknife is a is a good move. In part because I like Kevin it was a Nash very, a little uh, bit. Yeah, he was always kind of this uh, this big charismatic dude. And he's an outspoken he, he was, he's an outspoken Democrat on Twitter, which is fun. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. His nickname was uh, Big Sexy in in uh, in wrestling. Yeah, uh, I knew I knew him as Diesel when he was one of Shawn Michaels' first nemesis. Yep. Uh, and then he went to WCW, which I never watched. I was always a WWF kid. It was WWF at the time. Yeah, he was part of the NWO. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. Was always, that was just a, a very um, it was, that was a spectacle kind of one. That it looked like it did the most damage of all the finishers. That just the way it was presented, you know. It's like, oh yeah, that one really hurt probably. And uh, yeah, of all the ones we mentioned so far, that one had the the highest uh, ooh kind of reaction, e- you know. Yeah, sometimes people would over rotate and they'd land kind of on their heads a little bit, Terrifying. which would be which would be bad. Yeah. When I was in uh, like eighth grade. Uh, a bunch of kids built a ring with like their older brothers who were in high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was never, it was kind of like the popular kids and I wasn't really, I was friends, with, it was eighth grade. So I was like friends with them a little bit, you know, I wouldn't go right. to birthday parties or anything. They invited me over once because I, re- I, I liked wrestling the most out of, of anybody. So I knew all the stuff. And one of the older kids who was probably like a freshman in high school was like, let me powerbomb you. 
And, oh, no. and I did, and he did. And in retrospect, he could have killed me. And I, yeah, I, no, you're in a very vulnerable position. I landed on my back and it knocked the wind out of me. It was the first time the wind had ever been knocked out of me, which is terrifying. Yeah. And uh, you're like, oh, I, I used to be able to breathe. I suddenly no I, longer have the capability to do that. Now I can't. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> Wow, that that is terrifying. Yeah. I never let uh I let people put me in like submission holds and stuff and See, we did we I definitely power bombed like my friends and like when we were younger, my younger cousins and stuff, but always onto mattresses or like safe kind of, right. you know. Oh, that reminds me of a terrible. So I you remember where I used to live, right? My apartment building, sure. that apartment complex? I didn't I like I now realize how like ghetto this was but one time uh me and my friends went outside and there was a mattress out there and when you're a kid you don't really care what the mattress was potentially uh-huh. used for yeah. you just it's it's a mattress where, where where was it um it was um oh i don't remember where it was i thought you were gonna, I was, I was worried you were going to say next to the dumpster I don't. I don't think it was next to dumpster, but that's eventually what we did with it. So there was a little space behind a dumpster, and the dumpster had two fences, uh, one on each side of it, and that was our wrestling ring. We put a mattress behind the dumpster and used the fences as ropes, and there was a little wall behind the dumpster as well, and that was our top rope. Like it was the most ghetto wrestling setup it's, it's, in the it's, world. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Uh, how long was it out there? Uh, it was only a day. At, okay. At, like, my mom eventually found out and was like, uh, yeah, stop stop doing that. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Yeah. For her. Bill, what's your final <laughs> wrestling maneuver? So, uh, my number one, which is number two, I don't think I'm taking your number one with this because I'm th- pretty sure I know what your number one is. <laughs> We're um, going to find out. I'm taking what, in my opinion, is the best move. Uh I'm taking this this Stone Cold Stunner. The Stone Cold Stunner is the perfect, is just a perfect wrestling move. It's got, so for those who don't know, um, it is just a kick to the gut. So the person would bend over a little bit. And then Stone Cold would put his back to the person, uh, grab their head, um, and kind of put their head on his shoulder. And then he would jump and drop to... His butt. And basically what's supposed to happen is it's supposed to give the person, like, one, a whiplash effect, and it's supposed to slam the person's, like, chin on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he would, si- he would sit down, and so they would either drop to their knees or fall, like, uh, prone a little bit. So, yeah, their yeah. chin would bounce off the, his collarbone, basically. And uh, they would... Uh, the Rock reacted to it the best, but The Rock would go into a spasm that would send him the 20 The Rock would lose his mic. <laughs> yep. Every, everyone would sell it differently. Um... Donald Trump has been given a Stone Cold Stunner, right. and he essentially just fell and just didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, The Rock would sell it like crazy. He would he would act like, oh my god, I, this whiplash effect has happened to me. I need to to jump and flail all around like a fish. Um, Did he ever get Stone Cold Stunnered into a Stone Cold Stunner? That must have happened before, yeah, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, one time he got Stone Cold Stunnered, <laughs> which is a weird verb. Um, the Rock like stood up and was all woozy. Did the big and then steps. Austin was Austin looked at him and was like, what the hell? It kicked him and did it again. <laughs> yeah, Rock would do those big walking steps in a circle, you know? <laughs> yes. Yep. So it was just a great move because it it was very spontaneous, 
but it also had a lot to it to where once that kick happens in that split second, you're like, oh my god, is he going to hit the stunner? Sometimes he would he would turn around and grab them, and and but they wouldn't go down; they would push him away instead. So there was a lot of countering to it. Um, but for the most he, part, once he hit it, he hit it. Yeah, once you hit it, it was over, and he would uh, sometimes. Uh, Get into their face, throw him a finger before he would do it. Um, he was he was one of the first like anti heroes and and was a big part of a uh, wrestling childhood. So once that oh, was huge, huge. But once the kick happened, what did you say? There was a ninety five percent stunner success rate. No, not always. No, the, I said ninety five. So so there was a lot of um, there were a lot of matches where. Like the first two times he would try it, it would fail. Like he would throw the kick, and the crowd would be like, "Oh!" And the guy would push him away, and then Some, yeah. sometimes catch the kick. Yep. So, uh, he 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 did it. He there was one sequence that he did with Shawn Michaels one time where he he kicked him, tried to do the stunner. Shawn Michaels pushed him away. Shawn Michaels then tried to do a, a super kick. Austin caught the leg, spun him around, kicked Shawn, and then did the stunner. <laughs> like, like it was a it was a cool like five second sequence. Yeah, he was the, the Michaels was one of the best at those kind of things. Uh, the stunner was awesome. Yeah, because it could really come out of anywhere. It didn't take any extra setup to do. You could just do it standing, and it could be done to anybody. Like anyone, big, small, didn't matter. I think that's a big part of it. Like so, a bunch, a few of these moves we named, like the F five and the jackknife, the choke slam. And I guess maybe the RKO. It had to be done to a it, to make it seem right. It had to be a big guy doing it, kind of to another. Right. Like uh, the stunner, you could pretty much do to anybody, uh, and even the spear. Like if Rey Mysterio tried to spear the Big Show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I think you know it's a good move too because I don't think any other wrestler does it. Like even you can't. now, you can't. No one does it. Like it's a it's a move completely associated with him, whereas these other moves other people have done variations of them. It's like his number got retired. Right, exactly. Yeah, like no one does that move anymore. Yeah, you just can't. He was so uh famous that and so effective. And I don't I mean it it very well could be the best um wrestling finisher of all time, except of course we know it is, Bill. <laughs> I know you're number one. You actually just mentioned it, but um, I did. I, I almost I, didn't want. I, I, I almost didn't want to mention it because I didn't want to hurt it. But. I guess he went with the casual name. Uh, its Latin definition is, of course, <laughs> the sweet chin music. Uh huh. It's the best finisher in the history of wrestling. It might be the best action any human's ever done uh, physically. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's better than the Edelman catch. <laughs> All right. I don't think Shawn Michaels um, invented the super kick. No, I don't think he's so. not the only person to ever do it. The sweet chin music is just um, basically Shawn Michaels does a split, uh, leaving his left foot on the ground and his right foot goes into the air and kicks his opponent in the face. Yep, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's really good. He wore really big boots, so it always made a really big slap. And it was absolutely devastating because the way in which he would kick his opponent in the face, it would just totally level them because he could always, he was so flexible in such a way that he could always get his foot to encompass the entirety of their face. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he wore those like big, uh, not like bell bottom pants, but he wore these big like pants with the, so it would, when he would kick his foot, it, it, like those pants would almost make his foot seem bigger. Like his pants and his foot would engulf that person's face. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you talk about a move that can come out of anywhere. I think that's the one even more than the stunner. It's really good. It He could do it at any time from any... Maybe he's done it coming from lying down, but <laughs> other than that, the opponent could be anywhere and he could kick his opponent in the face in such a devastating way, but I don't... I think Sweet Chin Music only truly counts if he warms up the band and gets everybody going. Is it... <laughs> I was just going to say that. It had a very lengthy setup process, when, which would only work maybe like 20% of the time. In his heyday, it worked, I think, pretty often. Uh, but when it did, it was glory. What he would do, his opponent would be lying on the ground, and Shawn Michaels would always be incredibly out of breath. <laughs> and he would stumble <laughs> sure. himself to the corner of the ring. And the this isn't how it always happened, but the best way it happened, in my brain at least, and I hope this happened at least once, but maybe it didn't, was he would like pull himself up to his feet after this match, and his final step, once he reached his feet, would kind of be a big boom. Yeah. And that's how you knew. Like, what he was doing, he was he was basically, by stomping on the ground while holding onto the ropes, he was creating a, a, a metaphysical energy in, in his, his ankles. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> and I don't, it must have been, maybe it was Vince McMahon or Jim Nance who called this tuning up the band. Jim Nance? Not Jim Nance. It's Vince McMahon. Uh, Jim Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather have Jim Ross calling all the sports than Jim Nance. <laughs> oh, it'd be great. Deadspin does that all the time. They'll take a sports moment and put Jim Ross over it. And he would start stomping his foot faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, and it's weird how it worked out, but his, his energy was always charged up just in time for his opponent to turn around. Um, <laughs> and when his opponent would turn around, Shawn Michaels would uh, re- release himself from the turnbuckle, take two long side steps, and kick his opponent in the face. Yep. Then his opponent would fall down, and Shawn Michaels would fall down on top of him <laughs> and win the match. <laughs> and he would make sure to, as he's throwing that kick, you gotta slap that leg to make it sound better. Oh, do you think he did? He must have, right? Uh, yeah, anyone throwing a super kick, like, slaps their leg at the same time that they throw the kick. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's so like, like, that's how, I don't know how people thought wrestling was fake when they see a super kick, because it's like, <laughs> he's slapping his leg to make the sound, like, no, no one being kicked in the face makes this sound. <laughs> like, like, that's, that is not the sound of a kick to the face. But it's so satisfying. It's such a satisfying <laughs> sound. That is the sound of someone slapping themselves to make a sound. <laughs> I don't know. I think the best. I don't know if I have a best one. I couldn't think. I haven't seen enough recently to know the best super kick. But uh, guys, I encourage all of you to go on YouTube, type in uh, "Switch and Music Collaboration" or "Super Kick Shawn Michaels uh, Compilation," and there's like a five minute video. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty good compilation. So the best super kick, and I actually just sent you a GIF of it um, on Skype, is a gift to uh, a guy named Shelton Benjamin, um, who like tried to jumped from the ropes outside and basically jumped right into a super kick. Uh, it's hard to explain, but if you search it's, like super kick Shelton Benjamin, you'll it's, see it. It's a good one, but the cut is kind of bad where it cuts away right at the impact. Yeah, it cuts away right at the impact, but then you see like the commentary on it is perfect too, like where they just go like, oh, everyone freaks out when that happens. The Some some guy right in the front row in a yellow shirt gets really excited about it. Yeah, he's very... Wow, I'm coughing. You okay? <laughs> Edit that out. Um... I just got over a cold. I apologize. No worries. So, Chuck, I will. Um, I knew you were going to choose a super kick from the start. Sure. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's a good move. A lot of wrestlers do it now. 
Yeah, but, um, is that right? Yeah, it's it's overdone like crazy. No, I don't like that. Who does it? Who are these jabronis doing the super kick? You would you would hate wrestling now. Like every wrestler does the kick. It's crazy. That's not fair. Shawn Michaels. That's Shawn Michaels' thing. I know. Now it's done as like a like a setup move almost. It's kind of like the DDT. How the DDT used to be a finisher, but now it. Uh, they don't do it. They don't as do it as setup. good as Shawn Michaels, though, right? No. No, That's of right. course not. If Shawn Michaels did it, it's, it's the best kick in the world. <laughs> As you said, it's the best physical action to ever exist. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. The Sweet Chin Music uh, Super Kick is the official wrestling finishing maneuver of Foolish the Podcast. Bill, did you have any runners-up? Um, So I had the pedigree on there. Yep. Um. I had the figure four leg lock, yeah. and that was really that was really it. And I had the DDT. No tombstone pile driver. I thought about it, but um, that's never been my favorite move. I had the uh, flying elbow drop. Yep, it's a good move. Uh, I like Shawn Michaels one the most because he did the arm spin. Yep. And uh, the double arm DDT, I liked a bunch. Yeah, that's a good variation of it. So, just so you know, <laughs> if you go to Wikipedia, yeah, and you search professional wrestling move, uh huh. They have five categories. Oh God! For like for like aerials, holds, attacks, and it is some of the longest, most detailed Wikipedia articles ever. It's they'll list like every wrestling move and every variation of that move. Oh wow! It's insane. It's in fucking insane. That's pretty cool. You saw that in like when in the old wrestling video games, when you build a character, you can pick all their moves at, and there's like a jillion moves. It's insane. Oh yeah, it's, it takes you like an now and now especially in these in these wrestling games, it takes like an hour to create your guy because there's thousands of moves from you to choose from. Yeah. All right, good, Bill. Good list. Good list. So we're gonna take a break, and uh, we will be back shortly. Break. Now's the part of the show where Bill and Chuck will tell you that. Could be places or people with mutant faces. Three fine things. They're not great, but they are not things that we hate them. Three fine things. And no more, there won't be six or five or four, just three Oh, fuck. Oh, I gotta come up with the... Uh, uh, hang on. Wait, I gotta come up with a dumb rhyme. <laughs> you gotta Shit. do it right now. <laughs> uh, if you like scorpions and the way it stings, here's some other stuff. It's three fine things. Have you used stings before? Have I? I don't think so. You're good. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't think I use stings. Uh, who's going first? I'll go first. Okie dokie. Perfect. So, there's one thing, especially in this day and age, which I just like prefacing things with. In this day and age, Chuck. Sure. If you want to make something, let's say you make an item, and you make it, you want to make this item really good. Let's say you make spoons. Okay. And Chuck, and Chuck, you were you were you were desperate. Your spoons aren't selling well. The Chuck Smith spoons, they're selling badly. They're probably too heavy. And you say, Bill... Uh, I like uh, a heavy... We, the thing is, I like a heavy spoon, and I think people wouldn't like the spoons as heavy as I like them. Well, we're going to make I'm, them heavier. I'm not, not going to compromise on my beliefs in my spoon making. Look, I want to deliver you to you the experience that I had when my mom would make soup. And I want to bring those spoons to every dinner table in America. 
And these, if you just if you just buy these spoons, Bill, they're brilliant spoons. They're made out of pure nickel stainless steel mix. Uh, we're going to give you five spoons for the price of six. Um, and you're going to love every single one of them. And some people might say they're heavy, and maybe that's because they're coated in lead. But that doesn't matter. You're going to love them. And just give them a try. Call the number at the bottom of your screen now. Perfect. So we're going to make your spoons even heavier because you're going to come up to me and you're going to say, Bill, I make spoons for the American working man because that's who I am and that's what I care about. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, Chuck, what you need to do is you need to put a lithium battery in that son of a bitch and you need to put a USB port on it. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the fine thing here? The fine thing is USB ports, USB ports being on all sorts of shit. Um, it's happening more and more. They now make luggage that has USB ports on it. Wait, so these... Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Because people just want to charge their phone. They want to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Chuck, you make a thermos and you're like, Chuck, uh, you're like, Bill, you don't say your own name. You say my name. <laughs> you say, Bill, my thermos isn't selling well. And I'm going to tell you, you put a lithium battery in that son of a bitch and you put a USB port on it. <laughs> so it can charge my phone with my thermos. Yeah. Um, but do I have to charge my thermos too occasionally? Yeah, you're gonna have to charge your thermos before the trip, but it, <laughs> it holds on to the charge. And then when you when you're desperate, you take a water, you charge your phone, and It'll you're good. As, I kind of like that idea. Because <laughs> I do have a. Um, it, it's happening more and more. There's a lot of devices now to like where, hey, they just got USB ports on them. I kind of bought my 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 furniture, my chairs, and my couches because I was like, oh, it's electric. It can recline up and down with buttons. Oh, and they got USB ports on them too, so I can just charge my phone right at my chair. There are days sometimes, like when I know I'm going to be out and about and stuff, if mm-hmm. I think of it, I'll, I do have a portable battery that is small and it holds a full charge, you know? Right, right. I can totally charge my phone and it's just nice to carry around. So it would make sense if I could have like one of those just in my wallet. Yeah. Or in my shoes or something. Ooh, there's I was, an I was idea. Just think, I was thinking of shoes too. Yeah, I would char- charge your shoes at night. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could run a wire from your heel to your phone. Yep. Fuck it. Put it in your jeans. Put it in your pocket. Yeah. Oh, this is smart. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to take your, the battery out of your jeans every time you wash them. But <laughs> I don't think you could wash those. That'd be fine. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, just put a lithium battery and shit. Put USB ports on them. I don't care what it is. I love. Just it. do it. Yep. That's great. <laughs> All right, my first fine thing, it's a little more... Um, Beat that, asshole. I don't know why I'm so mad about this. <laughs> it's not so practical, but it's just something I like. Um, and I think I'm in the minority here um, as a person who likes this over the other version. I like live versions of songs. Mm-hmm. I like them a lot. I think live albums and songs done live are better than oftentimes the studio recording. Why? You're like just hearing the crowd or just hearing the very deviations? Certainly part of it is the crowd because I just, this might sound corny, I just like the sound of a lot of people singing at the same time together. Uh, You know, that's always just, it's just a joyful sound. I do like the deviations and it sounds more authentic to me. And it's just, I've, uh, yeah, I just like live music recordings better oftentimes than the studio counterpart of the same song. Hmm. Okay. So do you like that moment where, where I feel like it's kind of corny now, but when the guy like starts singing the chorus and three words in, he's like, I'm going to stop singing and I'm just going to let the crowd sing it. Uh, there's an album called Harp, H-A-A-R-P, which is Muse's live album. 
Ah, uh, yes. And in Time is Running Out, that happens. Yep. And it's fucking incredible. It's really, <laughs> really, really good. It's not to give the, you goosebumps? It's not the chorus. It's the pre-chorus that it happens. Bury it. Oh, okay. That when that happens and he stops and the crowd goes, it's like, oh, God, that's the best thing I've ever heard in the world. (laughs) So exciting. Um, But even like more intimate performances, I just always, always liked live performances, uh, recorded live performances. Yeah. They're good. Okay. If you want any more recommendations, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are some out there. (laughs) It almost seems like a cult meeting at that point when like the person stops singing and the the whole crowd is in there it's like what's the so what's the best concert you ever been to was it like a Coldplay concert uh it's in terms of like being at a biggie big kind of stadium concert then yeah it'd be Coldplay. but that's not the best live music experience i've ever had but uh okay in terms of a concert yeah yeah it'd be Coldplay. okay cool. um yeah just live music in general live music in general is obviously fine but i mean re- recordings of live performances are great Hmm, okay. If uh, anyone wants a random recommendation, I would recommend going and listening to uh, Skinny Love by Bonnie Vare, a takeaway show on YouTube. It's an excellent recording of a live performance uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's a takeaway show is the name of it, and you'll know it immediately because it takes place in a little tiny room. I was going to say, I don't know who this person. Like, What type of music is it? It's very folky. and uh, Ah, okay. Uh, but it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good video. It's good stuff. You know what I think okay. it is, Bill? You know what I think it is, now that I think about it? Something about uh, what is very magical to me is the power music can have over people sometimes. when you can That comes through, I think, sometimes in a live recording. It's a very... Music's just a generally a good thing, and I like hearing the people enjoying the good thing. Okay. Shut yeah. up. You know, I fucking disagree, Chuck. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people do. Um, a couple of... I, I actually don't like... Uh, I, I actually like a well-crafted studio track better than... Maybe just because I've done like audio editing and stuff, and I know what that takes. But sure, no, and I, I, nothing again. I, I, I agree with that. I think the live, I, I, I don't know. I just something about the live tracks. I'm just to get my blood pumping a little bit more. Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes. No, I can understand that that part of like, uh, like I'm never gonna get goosebumps just by listening to a studio track, but listening to like a whole thirty thousand people know the lyrics of a song and singing, singing it themselves is mm-hmm. is more goosebump inducing than yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot more motion to it. Okay. What's your second fun thing? Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> Who's this person? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> My next fine thing! <laughs> Let's stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, this is terrible. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say... So, Chuck, I just got a new iPhone. Oh, which one did you get? I got the I got the X. You got the, the ten notch thing at the top. It cost you seventeen thousand dollars. Yes, so that's part of this. Um, I'm not flaunting that I got a new iPhone, but because this phone is like a literally a thousand dollar phone, mm-hmm. um, I immediately put a case on it. Of course. And two hours after owning it, I dropped it. <laughs> Did it break? It fell face down. Oh no! <laughs> and I kind of just like stopped. And just looked at it on the ground for about five or ten it fell seconds. Onto, the, onto what did it fall? Was it a floor? Was it pavement? Was it? It was the floor in my house. It was the hardwood floor in my house. Uh-huh. And I was just that's like, right, "That's right, guys. Not not only not only does Bill have an iPhone 10, he has hardwood floors in his house. I, I rent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
I looked at that phone just face down for like 10 seconds and I I didn't want to pick it up. I just I I well, prayed. You, you can kind of know. What, I'm not I'm not I'm not religious. I just prayed. I was did, What do you mean? You can kind of tell sometimes the way it falls, how it lands. How much of you believed it was cracked? I didn't know. I just knew that I had just bought the phone <laughs> and immediately dropped it. And knew how expensive the phone was. And so I picked it up and lo and behold it was not cracked. Good. That's good. That's my fine thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's when you drop a phone on the ground and you don't break it. <laughs> because there's a there's a a few seconds of terror there in terror. between when you let go of the phone, it hits the ground, and maybe you don't necessarily know right away until you actually pick it up whether it's broken or not. I uh what kind of case do you have on it? Do you have the big heavy duty Hummer industrial tank Kevlar vest case? Or So I would I would love to get one of those cases, but um Unlike Donald Trump, I have tiny hands. Um, <laughs> my hands aren't very big, so I can't put a big-ass bulky case on the phone and still hold it. Do you just so, go with the silicone rubbery kind of case? No, 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 no. I, I go like somewhere in the middle of that. Like This is a pretty like heavy-duty mm-hmm. case, but it's not like one of those big uh, boxes that, it comes that in you four throw pieces on there. And, yeah, Does yeah it, it's not like a, a holding a tank. I think what's important is getting the glass protector. Yeah, you know they're like fifty bucks, but you can get them put on at the iPhone store where they like they iron them on, and they're just like a sheet of actual a second sheet of glass, so that will crack and your screen won't. Right. Um. Right. I actually have. I recently got a new phone too, Bill. I got the iPhone Seven Plus, of course. Ooh. <laughs> because it was free when I traded in my six. See, I had a plus, and I'm just like, I can't hold this goddamn thing. I, I like it a lot. I like the big. I like the bigger phone but it is it is huge it does it is it's a two-step process to go from my my podcast app which is at the bottom of the phone to my text message app at the top it's a two i've got a shimmy <laughs> i gotta shimmy my whole hand up the phone yeah which is a little frustrating but i yeah okay so yeah that's my second it's, thing it's, a thing i think we can all relate to oh of course it happens it's happy i think i think you it's dropped much more frequently than it breaks. I think eight times out of ten, it's not broken. Oh, sure. But when it is, it's just the worst. Oh, it's the worst feeling on the planet. Because how long do you go before you get the phone fixed? Right. Do you get the phone fixed? Do you bother just getting a new phone? How how badly is it broken? Does it have like a couple cracks on it? I can just... You can live with it. Just have it I guess I'm having a cracked phone from now on. <laughs> or at least for like a month or so. Right. You know? Yeah, it depends on where the crack is. The last time my phone cracked, it was two phones ago, and it cracked in the very top right corner, like a, just above the screen. So, oh, so like, you didn't bother, like, yeah, it was still, you know, it was still frustrating. And I, I eventually did because it was starting to like chip away, you know, and it was getting bigger and bigger over time. So right, it's like a windshield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okie dokie. My um, let's see, my. Second fine thing is butter. <laughs> butter. Butter's fucking what? delicious. <laughs> just just on its own? You just eat butter? <laughs> just on a stick. <laughs> it's the Okay. I think it's the best of all the dairy products. This is what happens when you have to scramble to <laughs> come up with a couple fine things. <laughs> fucking butter. <laughs> You're going to tell me butter's not fine. Is that what you're trying to tell me it's, right now? No, no, I, I fully agree. Go ahead. Butter's great. That's the end. What? <laughs> All right. 
No, there's more questions. <laughs> what do you What do you like butter on, Chuck? Everything. <laughs> Anything in particular? Uh, sweet potatoes. Oh, okay. My favorite. That's good. Here's a tip, guys. Here's how you cook a sweet potato if you really want to do it right. You get that motherfucker. You call it a motherfucker to its face because anger makes it taste delicious. You hire Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. You cut it in half long ways. So you have two um, lengthy sweet potato halves. You put, okay. you put your oven on like 400, 425. Uh, you get some olive oil and you just do a little a little coat, like a half, like a teaspoon on the top of the surface of the sweet potato. Salt, pepper. You put that in the oven and you cook it to within an inch of its life. The top will caramelize and get real crispy. And you just bake it for like a long time until, not you don't want to burn it obviously, but until it gets all the way cooked all the way through. And then just two pads of butter. I'll put one pad of butter on, on either thing of it, on either on each one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just the best, uh, the best, that's oh, the best food I could eat that. Can you say that again as uh, Chef John? <laughs> <laughs> Get your sweet potato. And cut it, cut it long way. <laughs> Not the short way. The short way is bad. <laughs> Get a um, little olive oil. little olive oil. Not too much. Put a lot on the potato. Get some <laughs> kosher salt. Some freshly ground black pepper. Yep. <laughs> so weird. So, Bill, I've turned you on to Chef John 100%. Uh, yeah, I've, I've come up with a... Like, you, you had the cheesecake that I made it was, uh, based, it on, was so based good. on Chef John. Very, very good cheesecake. I've actually made it three times now. <laughs> Bill, that's too much cheesecake. Well, I made it once for Thanksgiving because uh, nice. my my mom and my cousins wanted to try it. So what did they think? They loved it. It was great. That's nice to hear. I didn't realize that some cheesecake, uh, you have to make it in like a water bath. This one, you don't need a, a water bath. Yeah, it doesn't crack somehow. I don't know how the magic works, but sometimes you have to put like a, a basin of water in the oven to have enough steam so that the cheesecake doesn't crack. Right. Um, but yeah, this one is, there's so much like creamy goodness inside it. It's just magical that it doesn't. Well, this one cracked on me, actually, the it third time I made it. It doesn't it matter. Cracked. It's still delicious. No, it, no, it was still great. Yeah. Cheesecake is damn good. Any butter and cheesecake, yeah. Bill? Uh, and the crust, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. See? Uh, yeah, I use uh, melted butter for the crust. There you yes. go. Butter's good. Butter. It's your turn. Damn, how do we always, like, get on the same page? Like, my last fine thing is, like, a food-related thing. <laughs> um, so... I'm terrible at this. I'm really, really terrible at this. And this might sound like, oh, Bill, you're you're overreacting to this. Mm-hmm. Um, cracking an egg. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. I and so it's never more humbling than when you go to one of those like morning diners, and you actually it's one of those diners where you can actually see the chef, and he just he has the egg in one hand. He just quickly. He hits it once on the thing, and then he, he even, like, splits it apart with one hand. Yeah, it's a... Bah, bah, I, fuck, the- I, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I hate that guy. How does he know how to do it so well? I, I, try to, I try to emulate it. I grab it. I crack it, and I can't pull it apart. It's not cracked enough, so I crack it again. <laughs> and now it's cracked too much. Now, cra- now part of the egg's, like, in the yolk area. How the fuck does he do that? Sometimes. So what's your typical strategy? Do you go side of the bowl, or do you go flat counter surface? I, I try to do a flat counter surface. I try to grab it, hit it really solidly on the counter, and then just try to pull it apart as well as I can. See, I do the lip of the bowl to split it. 
But doesn't that make some shell crack off sometimes? I've just accepted a long time ago that there's going to be some shell cracking <laughs> off, so I'm going to have to fish them out. <laughs> because it's it's like an act of black magic to crack an egg without the shell splitting off. So that's my fine thing. The rare occasion where I actually do crack get, an egg perfectly. get it right. Sure. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, so, so impossible. What's your preferred egg method? Uh, you, you, when you, uh, how do you like your eggs? Is that scrambled. What? Scrambled. Hot sauce? Scrambled. Ketchup? Ketchup hot sauce? I usually do uh, cheese, salt, pepper, and if I'm feeling frisky, I'll put some bacon in it. Wow. That's a, that's a whole process there. Yeah. It's not the, the whole process. <laughs> you scramble, you put some cheese in it, and you're done. Uh, Gordon Ramsay's got a really good scrambled egg recipe on YouTube. Oh. That's Does a t- he yell at the eggs? <laughs> Calls them bad people. Uh no, he just does it with butter and the egg and some milk, I think. And it's an interesting technique where you put it on the stove for 30 seconds and you whisk it. Then you remove it for two minutes and spin it. Then put it on, then take it off. Then put it on, take it off over and over again. And it Jesus really, it, it works. It makes a, it takes like 20 minutes, but it makes a really, really like creamy and rich consistency. They turn into like wonderful, delicious kind of creamy, eggy things. The way it cooks it. Look that up. The way it cooks it is really good. All right. Um... So it's my turn. My turn for the final three fine thing. Yes, yes. Cinnamon. Is it, cinnamon? <laughs> it is not cinnamon. It's coriander. Um, <laughs> no. I think okay. So for my for my third fine thing, I'm gonna go with the finishing maneuver performed by Shawn Michaels, known as the Sweet Chin Music. No, you're not. Yeah, I think so. It's such a good finishing move, Phil. It's uh. <laughs> <laughs> what he does, if you haven't heard about it, he kicks a guy in the face. I haven't heard and about it. They go it, no. down like a they go down like a pile of bricks. It's really it's really something else. I think it's like the greatest uh, feat uh, physical feat ever accomplished by man. It's my third fine thing: professional wrestling <laughs> finishing maneuver. That's if I Shawn could Michaels. say good night, everybody, I would. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs>